You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' trade of Nate Schmidt and where Winnipeg stands after an insane opening to NHL free agency. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and they're offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's right, 50k is up for grabs, and the best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are super easy to enter as well. You just download the app, you go to pools, and you choose from a wide variety of free contests to win those cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events. And track your results throughout the evening to see if you achieve a gold medal in cash prizes. Questions range from medal count to specific ones about the USA team or maybe even the Canadian team as well. And as always, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, what a couple of days it's been for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think a lot of fans would say that Chevy has earned himself a few days off at the cabin. That's actually where I'm at right now. Not not Chevy's cabin, but I'm actually at my parents' place. So I've had to change plans for today's episode last second. No food interview today, but we'll break down the new look Jets blue line. There's plenty of storylines to get into, as well as the rest of the craziness around the NHL and the free agent frenzy. Almost a billion dollars spent in total. Um, but I say we there, because joining me today, a surprise guest... He's actually the last male Rewiki family member to make his podcast appearance. 
but he stopped by for supper, so I figured I'd put him to work here. It's my big brother, Andrew Rewicki, here today. Andrew, how's it going? Not bad. I thought I was stopping by for supper and some lakeside beers, but uh, I guess I'm on the pod now. Yeah, well, I mean, beers are okay. I mean, we can crush a couple beers while we're doing this, and it might make things more entertaining, too. Are you nervous? I, because you've been complaining to me for a while to, to come on to the podcast. Well, yeah, all the other family members get their crack, and I'm just left in the dust. I'm the <laughs> oldest, the smartest, the best looking, and you saved me till the end. Oh, you're all, yeah, well, I don't know about, I mean, you're definitely the oldest. I'll give you oldest, but the other stuff I don't think I can agree with. Strongest? Def, definitely. We've had a couple of tilts back in the day. <laughs> I, I, I was actually like, I mean, it, for those that don't know, when we played like beer league or stuff afterwards, it was funny because I'm the, I'm the younger brother, but I was actually the protector because he would, he'd go out and he'd beat anybody that was, you know, six foot four or taller that I'd have to come in and basically save his life. Well, you know, I like to stir things up, keep it interesting. Well, I mean, interesting is one word to describe the Winnipeg Jets' work. I mean, it was before free agency, actually. And hey, seeing the deals that, and we'll get into them, seeing the deals that happened. I mean, it was probably for the best that the Jets did their work before the free agent frenzy happened. But let's just get right to it and, and tell me, what was your initial reaction to the Jets' trades of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, what was your first thought when you found out the news? Well, my first thought was probably at least Chevy's trying to do something to fix the biggest, most glaring problem on the team. Um, we can debate or, or talk about if we think they'll work out, but at least he did something. Um, so that I think that was a positive step forward. Um, and the other most in- interesting thing I thought about both trades um, was when it leaked out that Nate Schmidt actually declined the yeah. trade initially to Winnipeg, and then he still ended up coming, and how fans are going to react to that or, or how that all plays out. But, um, I mean, you got two solid NHL blue liners out of it, uh, two better ones than you could argue Tucker Pullman and, and Forbort that we had last year, and they signed for big money for what they can provide. So I think it was... Uh, overall a, a pretty big day couple days to get those two guys on board you know it's it's funny that I, I didn't even think of that actually that you know Nate Schmidt and this is it's not even the first time he's used his no trade clause to get out of coming to Winnipeg this is the second time oh, really yeah you in Vegas before? when he when he was with Vegas when Vegas was trying to move him he uses no trade to block move to Winnipeg that he does it again with Vancouver and then, you know, Paul Stasny already making his money worth with his new deal calls. I guess Chevy told him to give Nate Schmidt a call. And so Paul Stasny's now a second line forward and a travel agent because he did a good enough job to sell Schmidt on, hey, just come to Winnipeg and we got a chance to win here. I, I don't think fans care, to be honest. I mean, look, if, if you don't know by now that players don't want to come to Winnipeg, you've just been sticking your head in the sand for a couple of years. But the fact that, you know, hey, you can convince somebody to come here, I mean, that's a positive in and of itself. You know, the one thing that really, really jumped out to me more so after the Schmidt trade happened, because we talked on Tuesday's episode about the Brendan Dillon acquisition. But I would say for the first time since his departure a couple of seasons ago, the Winnipeg Jets have finally replaced Dustin Bufflin. It just took two players to do it. <laughs> like, that that's how unique Dustin Bufflin was and, I guess, is. 
But the Jets, I don't know. It seems like, hey, look, I mean, for the past couple years, we know the blue line sucked. It just it wasn't good. And there were very, outside of Neil Pionk, I don't know if anybody really played up to their potential. But the Jets seemed like they were lacking almost that oomph factor and, and maybe a little bit of entertainment and, and positivity with the team. And I think you get buff in both Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt because we know Brendan Dillon is an absolute mountain of a man and he's going to go out there and he's going to punish people and you know the crowd's going to love him, I, I assume, after his first shift when he plants somebody right through the boards. But Nate Schmidt also brings that almost marauder type, uh, a, a rover, if you will, a guy that's going to go up the ice. He's going to make plays happen. Yeah, he he's going to skate. skate. He can skate like the wind. So it, it's just funny that, you know, Buff's so unique that it takes two people to replace him. But now in a, in a roundabout sort of a way, they found what's been lacking on their blue line since he decided to call it quits a couple years ago. Well, and I think you see that with a lot of the free agent signings. Like you, you see some of these D-men and, you know, you call them slugs, pylons, whatever. They're big guys that don't bring much, but they're still getting $2 million, $3 million deals. And you look at what we've got, at least these guys can still play and, and be mobile and, and move the puck. But if you talk to anybody that's played hockey, whether it's AA, AAA, junior, pros, any forward, skilled forward, does not like to play against a big, nasty D-man in the corners, in front of the net. And now they got two. Logan Stanley, who came out of nowhere, and Brendan Dillon. That's going to make the Jets tougher to play against in the regular season and in the playoffs. That's something that they've never really had. Yeah, well, and I mean, Nate Schmidt isn't small, but I mean, he's, he's bigger than Dylan DeMello at least, right? So you're, you're adding a little bit of size there. Um, you know, I, now that cross-checking is apparently legal in the NHL, Brandon Dillon, this is right up his alley. Like, this is perfect for him. And it's, I mean, it's hard to ignore, you know, Tampa Bay, Montreal, Dallas the year prior, and even the Islanders, too. They're a bunch of big boys on the back end. Like, and, and hey, they're getting paid now. It seems like the NHL is maybe overcorrecting on that. But at the same time, it's nice to have a couple of those guys. And, and I think you nailed the important part with Brandon Dillon for me. It's that, you know... He can actually play. Like he can actually skate. He can he can pass the puck. He he's got sneaky good offensive skills that I think Jets fans are going to be you know pleasantly surprised to see. But don't get big just to get big. Like get big, but also get better. And I think they did that because Derek Forbert was big last year, and you know I don't think a lot of fans would trade the uh, the forward contract for for Brendan Dillon's anytime soon. Well, and I don't know how how else can you improve if if you look at the free agents. Besides Dougie Hamilton being the big one, who else is really going to be a drastic, drastic improvement over what we already had? So you got to make a trade, and those aren't easy to do with the cap and all that other stuff. Well, and with the Winnipeg factor, the Jets made a trade, and they had to do it twice to get the guy to come here, right? So you're telling me that you're going to convince David Savard, for example, who, I mean, hey, you want to play in Montreal this year? You want to play in Winnipeg? You know, for the average person, for the average hockey player, this isn't even a decision. For I mean, hey, look, do you want to sell cars in Winnipeg or do you want to sell cars in Montreal? Or maybe Florida. Or Florida, right? <laughs> like, which, yeah, I don't, like it's, I always with, laugh when with people... no are, state tax. Yeah, yeah, like I always... I'll take both. Please. I always laugh when people are like, well, no, Winnipeg's awesome. Like, yeah, Winnipeg is awesome if you've lived here. But if you, if your time in Winnipeg is, you know, from the airport to whatever hotel you're staying at, 
it's not going to compare to to Chicago and, and to New York and and all the other big places there. Um, we'll get to the rest of free agency in just a bit. But now that we know what the D pairings are, or sorry, we know who the the top six in the defense core is this upcoming season. Do you do you have a sense of what you want the D pairs to look like, or do you know what like how do you think that whole thing shakes out? Well, I think they have to, in my opinion, go with a more balanced approach because they don't have that one A stud. Like no offense to Josh Morrissey and, and Neil Pionk, but they're not Alex Petrangelo, they're not Shea Weber, they're not you know Miro Heiskin and whoever else you want to pick. So you have to kind of do it by committee. So I still think their best two defensemen are Pionk and Morrissey. I heard you talk about it on the pod uh, last episode, and you listen occasionally. <laughs> Always support uh, support the family, um, but you put those two guys together, you're the best two defensemen, see what they got and, and go from there. You know that they can both play big, important minutes. Um, and you maybe put the two newcomers together. I know they're both lefties. I'm not actually sure if Schmidt plays yeah, offside. Yeah, yeah. for often. those that don't know, Nate Schmidt prefers. So he, he actually prefers. He's the he's the rare lefty that wants to be a righty. So, so then, ignore the, the left-handed shot for him. Basically, pencil him in as a right-handed defenseman. So then, boom, you put those two guys together, and then you have a, a big guy with a you know quick skater, puck mover, and then you also have Logan Stanley and Dylan DeMello, where DeMello consistently makes everybody around him better with his steady play. You put him with the big guy, and I actually don't know what, what your quote-unquote second or third pair would be there. Because if, if Stanley keeps improving and you got a steady guy like DeMello, you might see those guys play just as many minutes as, as the other two, at least even strength-wise. I don't know how the penalty kill uh, you know, and power play are going to shake shake out there, but um, I think that's what the, the pairings should look like to open up the season. And then you still have Sandberg and Heinola waiting in the wings for injury or opportunity. You know, I wonder, we'll have to get into this later in the offseason, but Big Stan and Dylan DeMello, that is that the best third pair in hockey? Like if I, I, I haven't I don't know every third pair across well, the no, NHL. But that's what I mean. You don't have the, the, the best top pair or the or the one guy that's gonna play. You might have three minutes. second pairs. Yeah. Right? Which is, you know, and that's the thing. Like, hey, I, I'm all for swinging for the fences and making, you know, trying trying to hit bombs out of the park, but Nothing wrong with a couple doubles, too. It still brings home a couple guys to the plate. And I, I think that's really all the Jets could do here. So, you know, I, I, I don't mind the moves at all. I think the one thing we know for sure is Stanley DeMello is going to be the third pairing to start the season. Where they go after that, yeah, I, you know, I honestly don't even care all that much. I, I think the top four can be pretty interchangeable. And I think we'll see a few different pairings throughout the year. I would agree where, you know, my the way I would start it is... Morrissey and Bianca, we got we got another special guest joining us in, in just a sec. We'll get to him here. That's why I'm laughing. But Morrissey, Bianca, I think would be my choice to start, and then we would go with um, Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt. But you know, having said that too, I think Nate Schmidt would pair really well with Josh Morrissey, and you know, Pionk and Dillon, I think are kind of a natural fit mm-hmm. too. But Almost I, like I, the Pionk and Forbar uh, pairing to start the season, it's like a supercharged version. That did very well. Yeah, you're you're just supercharging. A pair that worked good at the start, at least. But I, I just... Look, people tell me on Twitter all the time and stuff. And some... The odd fan didn't like what happened with the Jets' move so far. But 
you know, people tell me all the time, Josh Morris, he needs a big guy beside. He needs someone big who can help him out there. You know, it just so happened that Truba and Bufflin were big guys, but their biggest attribute was actually moving the puck. Like, that that's what yeah. those two guys... I mean, Truba was good defensively, but that's what those two guys did best, and that's what I think Josh Morrissey has lacked over these past couple of years, is a guy that can take over the primary puck-moving responsibilities on a pair, and then you let him be Josh Morrissey, right? You let him be defensively responsible, and he can pitch, he can pinch in up the ice whenever he's ready. Well, as a... As a forward who likes to score goals, I to a certain extent I don't care how big a defenseman is as long as they can get me the puck so that I can actually break out with the puck. There's nothing more frustrating as a forward than the puck getting dumped in your end, your defenseman getting it, and then flipping it back out over the blue line or ringing it off the glass because you can't make a play or turning it over in the neutral zone, and you spend your whole shift skating in the neutral zone in your own end, and then you change. There's, there's no flow, there's no high danger rushes or scoring chances initiated. And I think you saw that a lot against Montreal in the playoffs where they could not make a breakout pass. They could not get out of their own zone and it was just repeat, repeat and then Montreal just pounded them. So to me, you put Pionk and Morrissey and let those guys move the puck up to, to the forwards and that's when all the dangerous offensive firepower we have can hopefully show up even more so. Yeah, for those that don't know too, uh, Andrew would have fit in really well on the Jets last year because he's a forward that plays offense, tries to score, but defense is not an option. Absolutely zero. He would make Kyle Connor look like Mark hey, Stone. There's no, there's no two-line pass anymore for a reason. They got, yeah. they got rid of that so you can hang out yeah. by the blue line for the stretch pass. Uh, I mentioned someone has decided to pop in and, and join the podcast today. Uh, I, I guess you heard what was going on. I don't know if you don't like what's being said here or you got a different opinion. But I think you heard the beers cracking yeah. and then you know, his <laughs> yeah, yeah. senses heightened. <laughs> but the old man has stopped by. He, he was one of our first guests actually in the goalie preview episode. I think episode three way back in, in uh, December of last year. But my dad Andy Berwicki is Big here. Big Papa Roo. The legend. What's What's going on? Well, I just can't let you guys have all the fun here. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect this. So, obviously, you came over here for a reason. So, is there, is there something you'd like to get off your chest about what the Jets have done? Not really. I, uh, yeah, not have to get anything off my chest, but I will say, uh, I think Chevaldeoff at least saved himself a little bit of. Being under the gun a bit and some scrutiny with the, I actually don't mind the two uh, pickups with Schmidt and Dylan, and uh, it's definitely going to get some much needed, I think, uh, experience and uh, I think just uh, settle things down a bit in their own end. I'm sure Helly's going to be pretty happy about it. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Helly more than anybody. I think more than any Jets fan appreciates what what's been done over these past couple of days. You know, I was I was going to ask Andrew this, but now that you've uh, barged in and, and taking over, I'll, I'll ask you because I know you have some strong opinions about this. Actually, a lot of fans love the moves and they're happy, but there also is some concern that you know Dylan and Schmidt both have a number of years left on their deals, and so do Morrissey and. We assume Neil Pionk well sometime in the in the coming days as well. Are you concerned at all about Vili Hainala and Dylan Sandberg being blocked to the big club and you know potentially being 
you know, never mind one year away, but maybe two or, or three years away now. Well, now I'm going to have to uh, give Chevy a fail on something because I really think that the Jets organization missed a huge opportunity for Hinola and Sambert to get ice time, especially being in a weak Canadian division last year. It was the ideal time for them to get a lot of ice time and, uh, and some experience. And I think they kind of missed the boat in that one and, and uh, yeah, but I don't get... almost lost a year of development for those, for those guys where they, they could have played and I think they should have played, at least played a lot more than what happened. Sorry, I was going to say, I don't get totally who that falls on if it's, you said the organization. I don't know, Brandon, you have any ideas or insight, but is that a Chevy uh, failing? Is that a Maurice failing? Is that both of them working together? And then kind of, I'm asking the questions now. This is cool. <laughs> oh, God. So, and then to tie into that, does that mean, do you think Chevy and or Maurice were really on the hot seat coming into the season? Oh, I think, I mean, hey, I thought that going into the, the playoffs that they yeah. were. Uh, hey, you know what? Maybe winning that round against Edmonton, not as much Chevy, but definitely Maurice. That that probably saved Paul Maurice's job going into this season. I I don't see why things would change, especially. I mean, if anything, it's ratcheted up even more because the Jets have have shown that they're all in, like they're in it to win it right now. Now, as far as how things went last year, I mean, I I would put Sandberg out of that. Like, I think it was good for him to play in the AHL all season. Like, I I don't think he was ready, so. I'm not going to, you know... Have, Just a limited amount of games that they played, though. That was zero. Yeah, it was unfortunate, but I, I don't think he was... I mean, look, he could have been better than, you know, Ben and, and Bolu and, and some of the other guys. But I, I don't have a problem with him, you know, never played pro before, just spending his whole season in the AHL. I I don't have a problem with Vili Hanela playing this upcoming season in the AHL and playing 25 minutes a night. I think that's, that's going to be good for his development. I don't have an issue with that, but I would agree with you, Dad, that the Jets, let's just face it, they bungled his development last year. They, they missed an opportunity, whether it was to get him in more NHL games or instead of spending, what was it, like two months on the taxi squad, go play, go play in the AHL. Like, go get minutes, like, to, to just have him sitting in the press box for, for week after week, I, I didn't understand it at the time. And look, he may not have been ready, but if you're if there's any doubt, just throw him down with the moose, and he could have been playing a ton more. And and that, that that's kind of what sucks here because you know, hey, Logan Stanley took full advantage of his opportunity, and now we know that hey, he's a third pair NHL defenseman at the very least. But we don't know that about Billy Hainala now. He could be, but like we don't know. We we don't know either way because he barely played any hockey last season, and that's the crappy part about what went on last year. Well, I guess it gets to some point where if like all these guys are blocking them, it's either then you got to move on and trade Hainol or somebody for assets that you can use, whether it's draft picks or a player to help you in, or if you're that confident, eventually they're going to have to try to move Schmidt or Dylan or Pionk or Morrissey to make room for him. Yeah, I don't think I don't it's a problem. Which, yeah, yeah, I, I I know people are upset, and hey, maybe just people are complaining just because they like complaining, but. I think it's one of those problems that it, it's going to solve itself out over the next couple of years. And, and look, you, with where the Jets are right now, and with Hellebuck, Wheeler, Shifley's deals three years and, and less, and Ehlers isn't much longer after that, you know what? If, if a prospect is playing so well that you have to make a decision on a vet, then you make that decision next season. 
but you don't want to be forcing a young kid into a role this year. He's not ready. Oh, crap, how do we fix that? Oh, we can't because we waited too long, and now we've wasted another year of a potential, you know, maybe not championship contention, but, you know, trying to make a deep playoff run. Well, and one thing I would say, too, and I don't know how it is in the locker room or, or you know, but you hear a lot of times with, at the trade deadline, oh, they can do something at the trade deadline. But I think it takes a long time for some of these guys, when they come to a new team, to fit in and gel and, and mesh. So if you're going to pay two second-round picks to get Brendan Dillon now or have to well, pay that much or more at the trade deadline, I'd rather have them at the start that's, of the season. That's what I was going to say. You, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit there but by cutting in there, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a pass. Hey, you got uh, to be quick. Yeah, what I was going to say, again, with Chevaldeau doing that, the one thing that's, to me... I don't like how teams will wait and see how the season starts 10, 15, 20 games in, and then you you might get into a big hole, and then it's like, okay, we got to do something. What I like is that they got this done now. Players are coming to camp. Everybody's going to be excited. they got some new guys. They're going to feel better about the team, and it provides a good atmosphere at camp. You know, instead of, you know, reacting, you'd be a little proactive. So I... I think that was a, you know, he had, they had to do something, but by doing it now, I, I think it's, it is a huge bonus. But the other thing I was going to mention, too, because you mentioned it, just about the Jets in the playoffs with uh, when they beat Edmonton. The other thing to me that was a little alarming, though, was how they lost to Montreal. Now you can say, well, Shifley was out, so that, that hurt them. They shouldn't be that, that shallow that they can't beat uh, a Montreal team that was playing very disciplined and, and played the way they had to play. But still, I, I was a little alarmed just at how little fight that they really had. And uh, to me, that was still something that, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this year, but uh, they've definitely got to get some guys to, to, to pick it up and... It's just something that I nobody took the ball and ran with it. Yeah, I, I, you know? yeah, it was one of the. I mean, it, an interesting question might be if if they had Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, do they do they beat Montreal in that series? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I mean, I think the Jets hope that they would be able to do that this upcoming season. And the Shifley and the healthy Ealers. Yeah, else and is. I think, you know, even, I mean, look, the loss of Shifley was huge. Like, he's their number one center. It's it's tough to replace that. The main problem, though, with losing Shifley is that Pierre-Luc Dubois was non-existent. Oh, so, you're hoping that this upcoming season, and, and hey, we'll get to this closer to training camp. So, we're not going to, you know, waste too much time on this. But he's by far, and it's not even close, has the most pressure as far as a player on the Jets next season to perform. he I mean, he's just got to be light years better than he was when he came over here. I think there were some circumstances that you can understand why he struggled, but that won't be the case this year. And if he's not if he's not the guy that he was in Columbus all those years, then you know what? It might not matter all the defensive moves that the Jets made. Yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely... He's, he's, you talk about the coaches being in the hot seat, but he is definitely going to have to step up and everybody's going to be watching and expecting him to, uh, you know, to, to make a difference this year. So hopefully for him, I mean, he seems like a nice guy and, and, and stuff. And uh, ho- hopefully he will, 
you know, come to camp rare to go and, uh, you know, play the way he, he is capable of playing. It's just a matter of can he do it over a long period of time or a full season. Now, I know Andrew has to actually leave pretty quickly here, and I, I think the old man wants to crack another beer open, so we'll try to make this quick. These I haven't last had couple. one yet. <laughs> but, you know, okay. now, now that you're here... You know, we don't know what else might happen during the rest of the offseason, but it might just happen that Eric Comrie is this team's backup goalie. Former professional goalie himself. What are your thoughts on Eric Comrie being Connor Hellebuck's backup this season? I, I know he's had struggles before. Is is it something you think that he could maybe take his game to another level and, and be at least a decent backup for the Jets? Well, I, I, I think that... Uh... That's what the Jets think and are hoping. But is it is it right? Are they right? No. Well, no. And, and sorry, I hate to rag on guys. The only time I've seen Eric Comrie play in the NHL, he got lit up every time in, in Winnipeg and in Detroit. And I know Detroit sucked and everybody got lit up a bit there. But I don't know how you can go into a season with that guy as your backup with well, yeah, but Andrew, with you, no, yeah, but th- that's the thing. You're just about to say with no experience, but it it is you know it's kind of hard where you get thrown into a game where you play one game and if you don't have a good game, it's like okay, now you're not going to play again for two years. That's like, the show, baby. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, no, <laughs> that, no, that's that happens a lot. You know, yeah, you can say that. I mean, but let's be realistic. Like, like, and I'm not saying that he's the guy or 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 whatever, but still. You know, he'll be with the team at training camp to start, go through the whole thing, through the exhibition games, and get settled in. You know, and then, then you'll see. And that's, I think, that's probably that's what, they're, what, what they're banking on. And the other thing is, he's a first-class individual. He's got good character. And uh, who knows what he's got. What he's, I don't know what he's like in the dressing room, but I... Everyone I, loves him. Yeah, like, yeah, everyone... Yeah. You know, that's kind of why, like, this sucks. Okay, well, because now you're making me feel I know, bad. I know. Like, he is... Anybody that's met him is like, you're legitimately one of the nicest people I've ever met. But I think consensus, and I think this is fair, what everyone's saying is, great guy. Like, great, great guy. Good AHL goalie. That's the only problem. Like, it's... Well, hey, you can be a nice guy all you want, but the Jets need somebody to stop the puck and essentially not have Connor Hellebuck play 65 games this upcoming season. So, like, the backup position isn't important, but it also is very important because you don't want an overworked Connor Hellebuck going into the postseason if the Jets are lucky enough to make it there. So, I think there's a lot of a lot yeah, of question but, uh, marks about Comrie being the guy. Maybe Burden is going to be the ultimate answer here, but... Well, that's I think that's what it is there, too. But don't forget, the last thing is, going back to that, too, is... So there's, they're not even, uh, who's to say the Jets still aren't going to do something there, but there's a ton of goalies out there, and there's no point in trying to, in pushing the panic button or trying to find a, a different guy as a backup yet because once uh, a lot of these guys find their spots, I think there's still going to be some guys there that may not end up anywhere, and you may, may be able to get a guy for, you know, for very cheap too that, that has a lot more experience and may be better. So uh, I think maybe that's just... More of a thing where they're just, you know, they're going to let it play out for a bit first. Now, two quick ones before we go. First, we have to talk about the free agent frenzy and the insanity, especially when it comes to the two defensemen. I mean, 
I, I don't I don't know. There might have been one good defenseman contract handed out, and it was the biggest one, oddly enough, that Dougie Hamilton gets it. He might actually end up being worth it. So, I mean, that one is probably going to be okay. But two of the biggest head scratchers were actually former Jets. And they both got the bag. Like Derek Forbert, three mil, three years per season. And it's funny because I have to say that, you know, that was kind of the ongoing joke with both those contracts. Three years, three mil. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, wait, that's per season. Oh, we dropped the bag on that one. And then Tucker Pullman, I don't know which one's worse, but Pullman gets four years, 2.5 million per season. I mean, I'm not going to ask you guys if you were shocked because I think everybody was, but like, can you make any sense out of that? I think dad almost had as many points as Pullman last year. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, Fulbert. I was really shocked because uh, I just didn't know that anybody would really be interested in period. But sure, surely not for that kind of money. So and Boston. Kudos to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good for both those guys. They get paid. Vancouver, you can understand because Jim Benning's good at Jim Benning. Like he he had a, a decent off season, a couple good signings, and then he lost his mind on that one. But, like, Boston's a pretty well-run machine. And I just don't really get the allure of why, like, why do you need Derek Forward at that amount for that long? Unless they think they're getting a f- full season of first-half Derek yeah. Forward and, and the, the second oh. half was an anomaly or he was playing severely injured. I don't, I don't know uh, about the injury factor there. But, yeah, that's a lot... A lot of money for a third pairing. Well, man. plus the other thing is too is he's going to be playing in a division that's very tough and very fast. So God bless him. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> God, God I, bless Derek Forward playing Tampa, Toronto, and Florida, yeah. and, and Montreal too. I guess six, seven yeah. times a season. I, yeah, I mean, hey, good for them to get the money. I just don't see how either of those deals works out in year one, let alone down mm-hmm. the road. Quickly here before we go, just not we don't have to dive into this too much. But next season, with what we know right now about every team in the NHL, where do you guys have the Jets in the Central this upcoming season? I think we all agree Colorado's number one and, and maybe a level above everybody else in the division. Second, sure. third, fourth, where do you think the Jets are right now? Not all at once. Well, I think it would be similar to going into last last year um, where nobody saw them beating Toronto uh, for first in the division even though they flirted with that for for a little while so I think you have to put them right up there uh, fighting for that second spot um, whether they finish second third or Colorado drops a bit and they can even move up to first I think anything lower than the second or third seed uh, in that division and, and a playoff spot obviously would be like a, I think a fail or a big disappointment because they're with the moves. They're saying, look, we need to win now this year, next year. Like this is the time. So they better be in that top, top first, second, third spot in the division or it's a fail. I, I, I think that you're uh, kind of, you're kind of right. I think uh, I, I just think that they've got a chance to, I think that they'll they can make the playoffs, but uh, I don't I don't you know would would they finish second? 
I think they'd be hard pressed. I think third is something, but I mean. So who do you have ahead did, of them? What's that? Who do you have ahead of them then? Well, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Colorado. But then if the Jets are going to finish third, like Dallas, Minnesota, Chicago. Well, you know what? It's it's funny. Chicago's a little bit a ways, but they're going to be better than I think people think. But I really think for sure Dallas. Yeah, I um, would, you know, I would agree. Like, so, I mean, Colorado number one, obviously. I think, for me at least, Winnipeg, Dallas, maybe an even playing field. But I, I think those are your two and three teams in the central, whichever order, whatever. And then I, I would say there's a drop-off after that. You know, maybe Chicago actually surprisingly might be the, the fourth best team in the division. Who knows with Minnesota? Minnesota's a big wild card right now because they could be the worst or, yeah, or competing or, for second. Or they could they, get Eichel by Tuesday's episode yeah. and, oh, yeah. all of a sudden it's not looking so hot. And, hey, Nashville, I mean, hey, they still have Yossi and then Soros. So I, I think right now it would be a major disappointment if the Jets finish anywhere lower than third. I, I think with the talent that they have personally, I'll put them in second spot right now in the Central. And, you know, they'll probably be battling with Dallas all season long as to who gets home ice advantage. But anything less than that with the moves that they've made, you know, there's still some weaknesses here, but it's not the critical ones that there was last year. We're talking about more in, in the depth areas of the team. There's no reason, in my opinion, whatsoever that the Jets aren't comfortably in a playoff spot by the time there's 10 games to go in the season. Well, and I don't think Chicago's going to be an easy team to play against this year. Jonathan Taves didn't play at all last year. Now you have him coming back and Seth Jones. Like They're not well, going to be an easy out. If they can convince Fleury, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not looking good, but if, I, if he has a change of heart or he decided he wanted to play there, then, uh, you know, that Look is out. huge. That would be huge. You know, and or, I you know, from what I, I'm sure you guys have heard the same thing, but the only place they're saying that Flurry would go to is Pittsburgh. Would Chicago make a deal to with Pittsburgh and get somebody? But if they're the way they are now, yeah, I just don't think they can be. They're gonna they're they're up and coming, but you know where they're gonna be, who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's still tons of time to figure this out before training camp starts, let alone the regular season. But it's just it's nice to talk about it. You know, from a Jets perspective, saying, I think we're a playoff lock. It's as opposed to, can we sneak yeah. in and maybe, you know, do what Montreal did this past season? So it's positive vibes only right now in Winnipeg. So they that's awesome. Yeah. It's my show. Don't cut me off. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Feels good sometimes, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's it. That's, that's why I'm cutting you off because we're done here. Thanks again, guys, for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. That wraps up. Another episode here of Skates and Plates. We're back on Tuesday. I mean, we'll talk about the latest. Who knows what it's going to be? Maybe a Jack Eichel trade happens. Maybe something else in the Central Division goes down. We'll see if the Jets make another move or two. So we'll get into all that and, and, and a ton more, as well as a food interview coming up. I promise we will have a food interview for you guys coming up on Friday's episode next week as well. And I have to mention this as well. Pretty big news for Skates and Plates listeners, but... Skates and Plates actually won the Hockey Podcast Network Wood Jerseys Contest. We got the most retweets of any show on the network. So on Tuesday's episode, I will announce one lucky winner of a Winnipeg Jets Wood Jersey. Somebody that retweeted and entered the contest 
well win a Winnipeg Jets wood jersey of their choosing. So that's nice. super, super exciting. That's sweet. So make sure you tune into that. And Did we'll they find put out. A disclaimer in that family can't win. No, you guys didn't retweet it, so you're out. You didn't. You didn't oh, qualify. Right. Yeah. So so thank yeah thanks for joining, but <laughs> but no, you don't win anyways. What's so. a what's a what's a retweet? Yeah, <laughs> that's a perfect way to end it. So tune in Tuesday. I'll teach my dad what a retweet is. We'll find out who won the Jets wood jersey. Thank you guys again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Verwicky. Peace.